You're listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach, and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltran, an instructional coach, resource creator, and coffee enthusiast. And I'm your host. Stay tuned for practical tips and honest coaching talk that will help you coach with confidence. Coaches, and welcome to episode 76 of Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Today, we are talking to Megan of Ms. Williams, y'all. That's her account on Instagram. And we are talking about an idea that a lot of coaches are dealing with right about now. Many coaches shift from one grade level range to another or from one content area to another, and they start over at a new school or in a new district. And that can be a really hard change to make. So how do you go about building the relationships and taking what you know and applying it to a new situation and really bridging your knowledge from one grade level range or one content area to another? And how do you continue to grow and learn in that new role? Those are some of the things that we're going to talk today about with, uh, with Megan. And so I think it's going to be really helpful to you, especially if you've shifted roles. But even if you haven't, I think you're going to walk away with some tips that are going to be valuable for the work that you're doing on your campus. Even if you haven't changed campuses this year, every year is a new opportunity to try something new and to bring something new to the table. So I'm excited to talk to Megan today. I think she's going to give us some really good ideas about making these really big moves. And I think it's going to be relevant to your coaching work. So welcome to the podcast, Megan. Thank you. I am so excited to be here. Um, I'm really pumped to get to chat and just uh, thankful to get to kind of share some of my story. Um, my name is Megan Williams-Martin. I am currently an instructional coach in Dallas, Texas, and this is my first year being a instructional coach, but in the past, I've been a campus reading specialist um, and a fifth grade teacher, a third grade teacher, and a second grade teacher. Um, And something that's really unique about this year is that I made the jump from elementary to secondary. My school um, is a junior high, so it's seventh and eighth grade. And so it's been a very unique change and definitely something that a that took some courage and some planning, but it's something that I, you know, find myself now extremely excited about and really loving. Um, I am from Dallas. I grew up in uh, Dallas, Texas, in Lake Highlands, went to University of Texas, actually double majored at college in theater and dance and education, which is something that you don't see all the time. And I think it's something that I definitely try to bring into the classroom and then still here in my instructional coaching position. Um, And then after college, started in elementary school, knew that I wanted to eventually get into administration and was able to kind of have some leadership roles in my school, on my campus, and then shifted to that first coaching position a few years ago. And here we are now. And I just really love this role. I'm so glad that you're that you're happy with your move, um, that everything is working out. We are recording this in um, in January, actually. I know this is coming out in September. Um, so the reason I wanted to do this around this time is you've had time to get acclimated. You know, you kind of already know the game at your new school, and you've had enough time under your belt to kind of share what has worked for you to this point. So I think people are going to be able to take something away from that. Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to know about what your work with teachers currently looks like, you know, where you're focusing your time um, and keep in mind that this is still the things may be fluid. I'm not sure what your, your school structure is looking like right now, but because we're in January of 2021, um, schools look very different depending on, on their local situation. So um, what does your work with teachers look like right now? So as y'all know, the 2020, 2021 school year has just absolutely been something that no one has ever experienced before. It's very unique. It's something that, you know, we've all kind of had to be more flexible than normal. So I am a day-to-day, I, all my roles all over the place. It's, um, as many other instructional coaches know, we have to have our flexible hat on all the time. But my main focus really is spent um, with a few different teams here in middle school. It is Uh, you know, different than elementary, where elementary is my second grade team or my third grade team. Whereas when you get into middle school, it's 
social studies team, um, fine arts team, math team. And so I focus with our social studies team, our uh, career and technology education team, um, and then our fine arts team and some of our other electives. And so I spend a lot of time in PLC with those social studies uh, people who are, you know, really digging into content, really working on um, implementing uh, those core content lessons. And then I also get to work with our CTE and fine arts teams just to check in and make sure that they're kind of working together and that they don't need anything from me and that, you know, we're building a, building a team. And that's been something that's been very unique here because as far as our social studies team goes, and y'all know too, state testing drives a lot of, a lot of the things that we do and a lot of the, the, the planning behind where each person's job is. And so for us, state testing is um, eighth grade social studies is what our, what our star test is for eight or for social studies. And so something that's really been a, a focus of mine is to give our seventh grade team some love also, just because I feel it's really important as an instructional coach, not just to focus on that test and not just to show my teachers that I'm focused on that test. I want everybody to grow as an educator. I want everybody to grow with their classroom strategies. And so that's been something I've really tried to do through PLCs and through um, our team modeling and all kinds of different things that we've tried this year. And so that's kind of where my instructional coach hat comes. And then, you know, a lot of the day is spent luckily getting to pop into different classrooms and doing observations. And then, you know, there's always fun stuff like lunch duty and dismissal duty and all those um, other duties as assigned. But we are, we're thankful that we have three instructional coaches on campus and then also a digital coach. And so our three instructional coaches are all split among the content areas. And so it's really nice because we get to focus on our own separate contents, but then we also get to put our reins together to go cross content. Like for example, the um, uh, language arts instructional coach and I are going to start working together soon to make our intervention block because social studies star test is truly just a reading test with that recall and memorization and uh, information that they've got to have in their belts, but it's a lot of reading. So we recognize things like that. We know that our math and science teachers can work together. And so we as coaches here really try to give the opportunity for that to happen. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think that's great. Um, building those, those relationships and um, supporting teams is so important. So it's such an important focus for instructional coaching work. Mm -hmm. So I actually, and you mentioned this, you know, you, and I know that you've made the move from elementary to, to junior high um, and that, you know, I was in elementary my whole career and I have worked with junior high teachers since leaving um, public school, you know, since I, I work on my, uh, on my own, but um, I never have been an employee of a middle school. So um, I'm curious to see, you know, to hear from you what that move was like moving from an elementary to a junior high and, and what some of the differences were, the challenges there. Yeah. So I will tell you, if you had told 22 year old, just got out of college, fifth grade teacher, elementary teacher, Megan, that in eight, seven, eight years, I would be in a junior high. I would have not believed you at all because I truly, you know, thought that my heart would be in elementary forever, that that was where I was going to start my job. That was where I was going to end up in administration. That was where everything was going to happen for me. And then it just so happens that, you know, through being a teacher, through working at several different schools, through having lots of different principals and people in our lives who we get to work with, we make those connections. Mm -hmm. And so my current principal here at my school, um, actually was the one who kind of piqued my interest about moving to junior high. I was still at my elementary school last year and she reached out about this role and, you know, kind of was just really encouraging about it would provide different opportunities. Uh, she knows that I want to grow in administration. And so she, she was like, it's going to be great to kind of get you a, a wider range, a different span of, of, seeing the kind of schools that we have not only in our district, but then the grade levels and the kids at each grade level. Um, and so I really kind of was very nervous about it just because not only was it a crazy year to be starting and making such a big transition, but you know, I love those kindergarten, first and second graders too. And so I, I had this 
you know, worry in my heart that was this the right thing? Is this for me? Am I going to like it? And to be honest, everybody who asks me about it, I love it. And I have found my home. I, it's crazy to think that, you know, I ever looked at junior high and was like, I can't, I do not want to. I'm that stresses me out, but it is, it's truly something special because, you know, our, our middle school where we have seventh and eighth grade, they are just coming from sixth grade where a lot of them have had kindergarten through sixth grade with the same people, with the same groups of friends and the same similar teachers on a campus. And some of them haven't moved at all. And then my school in particular is very diverse. So then we've got some kids who have moved around and bounced around elementary school every single year. So it's a, it's a mix of kids, but then you get them and you kind of get them in that seventh grade year and something really special happens where everybody starts over. Everybody gets a clean slate at this new level, at this new school, and they kind of get to see, okay, here's a short snippet of my educational span in that just seventh and eighth grade year. And they just get a fresh new start. And I've really enjoyed working with the kids this age because you kind of see them turn into people. They turn into humans with opinions who want to talk to you about things that they saw in the news or they read a book that I actually read as an adult and they want to have a conversation and they're so smart and they're so kind and they're, they're malleable and they, they want to learn. And they're just at a point in their lives where, you know, I was actually talking to our school resource officer who is incredible. And I was talking to him the other day and, and he was like, you know, junior high is so special because you get them and you get them right in the middle and they go one way or they go the other way. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's one teacher or one coach or one principal or one police officer that works at the school that might be the person that kind of helps them go the other way. Mm -hmm. And so we were just talking about how special it is to get to work with these kids. And I love me some elementary. I love, love, love elementary. I believe that that's the foundational where everything starts. I think that honestly, after working with some of my junior high teachers, we, I've had conversations with people where they're like, I believe everybody should have to teach elementary. Just start there and just learn some of the foundational pieces and learn some of the, how kids learn and how kids interact. And because in kindergarten and first grade, you're seeing them develop into people and develop still their, their speech and their social skills. And so that kind of explains some of what we still see in junior high. So there, I mean, there's definitely so many connections, um, but I cannot lie and say that I jumped in full on ready to go. I was so nervous and we started out this year virtual and then kind of eased into it. And, um, you know, it was nice because I am at the middle school where my kids transitioned to. So I was familiar. I kind of, you know, I told some of them that knew that I was moving up that I was, I get to come to junior high with you and we're all going to seventh grade. And so it was so fun, but I still was just not sure what to expect. And so I think the easing into this year of having the start virtual and then the coming back with the face-to-face -face or remote options kind of allowed me to get my feet wet and, that was really nice. But, you know, one thing is it's just, it's just another school. And these are just big kiddos who you're going to have behavior issues. You're going to have kids who struggle at home. You're going to have difficult conversations, just like we do in elementary. They're just a little bit bigger. And that's what's so fun too, is that I'll still go in and read a read aloud to my big old eighth graders who are all taller than I am. And they, they love it. They eat it up. And so, you know, I think it's, it's really shown me that it's, it's not the age group. It's also where you are, because I'm fortunate to be at a campus that I love. I'm fortunate to be at a place where I have a team and I have an admin team who is really supportive and, you know, knows me and knows what I'm looking to do and opportunities that I'd like to take and stuff. And so it's just, it's very unique, but I, I just, again, if you told me a few years ago, even that I would be in a junior high Oh, no, nope, no, ma'am. <laughs> but now it's, it's just, I really, I love it. And so I, I know that too, there are other Megans out there who are saying no for forever. And I just want to say too, if you have somebody who says, Hey, try this out, or I think this would be good. They're probably right. And they've probably got your best interest at heart too. Just like my sweet, wonderful principal did. Cause 
I mean, I wouldn't be here if she hadn't said, let's try this. So, yeah. Well, it's wonderful that you have found a place that you feel good about and that you feel good about your move now. Um, and so I want to know is what, what are some of the things that you've tried or that you've done that helped you through that, that difficult change? Because like you're saying, there are a lot of feelings around moving, even if you're just changing schools and you're still going to work with the same grade level range, you know? Mm -hmm. So what are some of the things that you did that helped you get through that move? Yeah. So, I mean, I think one of the things that you know, we, we are instructional coaches and we are uh, campus specialists because we want to continue to learn. We want to help others. We want to guide teachers and support them. And one of the things that has really helped me throughout this process is especially moving to junior high, jumping in and learning all that I can about my junior high, about my team, about my people that I get to work with about my content area. Um, when I found out that I was going to get to work with social studies, um, one of the first things that I did was introduce myself to our district, uh, secondary social studies team. I wanted to make sure that I said, Hey, I'm, I'm here, I'm new, but I'm ready to learn. I'm eager. And then just connecting with my team of teachers that I get to work with, making sure that my fine arts and CTE teachers knew that I have a passion and a background for it with those electives. And I love those kinds of things that kids get to do in junior high that are, you know, they have a class that's choir, they have a class that's band or that's computer technology and wanting to really show them and introduce myself as somebody who's here to support them. Um, and then just really making sure that I, I found my people close, uh, close by me and, and soon because we can't do this job alone. And so I know that, um, on some campuses, it might be that it's administrators that work really closely with an instructional coach. Um, on some campuses, they have a team of instructional coaches. And so really getting to know those people and coming in as I almost want to say coming in as, as the new person, because I think if we come in as a sponge and start to soak things up and, you know, understand how things work on this campus and what they want for this year and what I could bring, then we have the opportunity to say, well, we did this on my last campus and could we do something like this? Or how could I help with this? Uh, and really just kind of slowly showing your, your pros and your benefits that you have rather than just, hey, I'm here and I want to do all this. Because chances are, unless it is a brand new school, there are teams already set in place. There are coaches that are already working or there, there's somebody who's paved the way or there's a group of coaches. And so you really want to kind of come in as, as a person who is, is willing to learn and willing to do what you need to do to support teachers. And in this junior high move, it took me lots and lots of asking for help to feel comfortable with things like our schedule and more of our state testing um, data analysis that I still have to ask for help on so much and with our content. And so it's really just, you know, coming in knowing that you're not going to know everything mm -hmm. and coming in knowing that you've got to have the attitude of it's okay that I don't know everything. I just need to know where to go. I need to know who to ask. I need to know who my people are. Um, and that's something that I've been really fortunate with is, is my coworkers that I've worked with in coaching positions because we can't do this job alone. And so if you are the only coach on your campus, it might be that, you know, there are your team leads that at least you have where you can ask your questions or you have your administrative staff that's um, there for you. And so really developing relationships with not only your teachers that you get to work with, but your teammates too. And those people that you know, you're going to need because there are many times where I sit and I go, what is a tardy sweep? And why do we need to do that? And where do I need to be? Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were talking about it the other day and they were like, oh, Megan's never done a, a tardy check or whatever. And okay, Megan, you got to do this. And you have to, we, we do this and we have stations and this happens after. And then everybody does this. And it was just me soaking it up and going, okay, well, where do y'all want me? Because I've never done one before. So what's going to be easiest for me to support y'all? And just like that with your teachers, you know, it's hard coming into to middle school and, and relearning content and relearning um, information and specific details of the things that they teach. But it's just coming in with the, 
I am here. I'm here to support you. I'm here because I love teaching and I love educating kids and educating educators. And so help me help you really. That's perfect. Yes. Um, yeah. Coming in to kind of learn, learn what's going on and get a feel for what teachers need and want is so important because if you come in trying to make changes without any real knowledge of, of how the school functions and how, I mean, especially in different grade range. Um, yeah. That can be a real turnoff real quick to mm-hmm. teachers and to other guys working with. So how do you feel like your work as an elementary teacher prepared you for your work as a junior high coach? And you, you mentioned, you hinted at this a little bit about, you know, developmental um, knowledge and understanding how kids change and grow. But um, what, what can you tell us about that? Oh my goodness. Well, I think just like I said earlier, I've talked to many teachers who are like those elementary teachers, you know, we say in elementary, we say we love on our kindergarten teachers because they work so hard with those littles. And, you know, it really is that, Elementary is a foundational period where kids are so in a place where they soak up everything. They soak up what happens around them. They soak up the words that their teachers say. They are learning and we have such a big job in elementary to guide them and to find out who their little personalities are and then figure out what we can do to help them and and develop their you know, not just their, their learner personality, but them as a whole too. And so I think what elementary really showed me is that you can't do, you can't do anything. If you don't know a kiddo, they're, they're not going to learn. They're not going to build a relationship for someone that they think is, is not there for them. And that happens in kindergarten. That starts from day one of some kids for school. It is, you have to make that relationship with kids before they want to learn from you and before they get to know you as a teacher and trust you. And I almost, I mean, I know that it is very, very apparent in our junior high building here, but it's so intense in elementary school where, you know, when they're so young, they still have such little feelings where it's something at night might've kept them up and hurt their feelings to where they're still carrying it the next day. And we've got to get to know them as kids before we can give them information. And, you know, that's definitely transferred to junior high of these kiddos. They, they want to be cared for and they want to be loved. And so I think that really helped from elementary school. But in addition, it's really just um, such a developmental place where they are learning the strategies that are going to take them through to senior year and, to college that they're going to use the rest of their lives. They are learning the math song that they're going to remember that's going to help them in their eighth grade algebra class. They are learning that pencil grip and that the writing and the reading with the flipping the pages is the correct way. They're, they're so there for the pieces that are, you know, those elementary teachers, they teach the pieces that build our learning for the rest of our lives. And I can tell you, I still sing a multiplication song in my head at the grocery store sometimes. <laughs> so I think a hundred percent what they learn in elementary school travels with them. And it gets so interesting as they get older because the classes become, um, especially with some of our math classes, you know, they have an option to do on level or to do pre AP. They have an option to do, uh, this elective or this elective. So they almost get to kind of start to drive their own learning path. But in elementary, it's really, okay, we're doing basics of this. We are doing foundations of this. We are doing all of this as well. And so really just having them when they're, when they're sponges and when they're soaking it all up. Um, but then I think something too, that comes to mind is that with elementary school, there is a, there's a prioritized small group section for whatever class that you teach, for math, for science, for reading, and all of those core pieces where we want to do small group instruction. And, you know, in junior high, we're used to either 45 minutes where we had 45 minutes of quick classes or sometimes you're in block schedules, like we're on a block this year, but it's our first year to do block. So it's really hard to fit small groups into a short class period. And so this has been really important for me to kind of help my teachers this year to show them different ways to do small groups, not only with, you know, the COVID restrictions, but with 
How do I do it with a junior high class? How do I do it with a class where I have a student who is on a second grade level and I have a student who's reading well beyond senior year of college? Mm-hmm. And it's difficult to figure that out on your own. And so that's one of the things that I'm grateful that I was able to bring from elementary school is just an understanding of differentiation. Because when you get into the period where they're halfway through their education, there's a bigger span that they can be separated by ability. And so you do have classes with those low, low, low students. And then the ones that are so exceptionally gifted where they might have such a differentiation on the higher end that they need for them to be learning. And so that's something that I'm really thankful that I was able to start in elementary and then to bring here. Yeah, those are great, great best practices to take with you that maybe are not done as often in middle school. We do see that. Um, and they are, and it, some of it is just like you're saying logistics, you know, and figuring mm-hmm. out how that can work. And some of it is also like philosophy and the way that we're instructed whenever we're elementary teachers versus middle school teachers. So yes. yeah, it sounds like you took some really great practices with you that are going to support teachers in meeting kids' needs. So I would like to know about what did you do to go about building relationships with teachers who were completely new to you? Um, and, and, you know, like if you have any specific strategies that you used or if you just had kind of a general approach, what did that look like? Yeah, so um, I really think that, you know, just like with my team, my team of instructional coaches coming in and, um, almost addressing the elephant in the room of, okay, I'm, I'm new here. And especially with I'm new here and I've never taught secondary, I definitely had to work to make my team see that I was here because I love good teaching strategies. I love to help educators. I'm not here because I'm a social studies expert. I'm here because I want to help support you in the classroom and support our students. Um, and so I really came out day one with, you know, being honest about, I get to be in this role and we get to do this year together and I'm excited to get to know y'all and, you know, then really working to establish the relationship between the team and myself, because I came into a team that only had one new teacher. And so they were a very close Uh, routine established team. And so it was tough to kind of be the new one. And it was tough to be the new one that, you know, their instructional coach last year was still here just in a different position. And so it was a lot of listening. It was a lot of coming in and asking them questions. It was a lot of research on my part, especially with the content. And it was almost research to be able to say, to have something to say in the next meeting or to show them that look what I did with our, um, our next upcoming unit. And that's difficult because as instructional coaches and um, as leaders, we really like to seem like we know all the things and we like to come across like we've got it together. But in a new situation, especially and with a new team, I had to show them, okay, I'm here for y'all. I'm here to learn. Um, and they will tell you, I multiple times say, I am not the socialized expert. I'm not here because I know this content. I'm here because I want to support y'all. And, you know, it's, it's really, it's something funny now that we, that I said at the first part of the year with like, I really want to begin to learn, but now I say it and I'm like, I don't quite know the answer to that question, but let me go find it and I'll come back to you. And so really just showing them a little bit of your personality and that you're here, uh, for them and for the kids. And again, like you said earlier, that you're not here to come and change everything, mm-hmm. uh, that you're not here to make a whole bunch of new rules. And, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. We got to make sure that we're kind of addressing little things all at once. Um, and so just kind of along with that too, especially with um, a team that was already kind of built, except for myself and one other person, letting them know a little bit about me and uh, letting them know why I was here and how I got here and my backstory and what I had taught and what I had kind of planned to bring to their, to their team. And that included, you know, small group strategies that included some of the things that I did in elementary that then made my principal say, we can have you over in secondary and we can use these things. Um, And so with that, it's, it's a lot of kind of a balance between, you know, sharing what your goal is and why you're here. And then a balance between almost figuring out where they are as a team and what you can then do for them. And then I've seen too, this year has been 
as the year kind of progressed, I'll now get, you know, more questions or more, can I come talk to you about this? And can I come uh, walk through this with you? And, you know, that's probably number one as well with building relationships is that you've got to show them that you're here to be that sounding board. You're here to listen. You're here to get to know them. Um, And so really just developing the relationship as not, I don't want to say friend because it's difficult. It's a difficult balance when you're in instructional coach positions, but that person who they know that they can come to. And, you know, nobody wants to come to the person who they think is going to put down an idea because they might have a better idea or they have a, an attitude or a, a almost like a hierarchy that they come with. And so it was really a, a balance of coming in, knowing that I needed to almost establish myself as somebody who just really, I was here for them. I'm here for y'all. I'm here to, you know, I'm here to just guide our PLCs. I'm not in, not in charge. I, I want to be here for y'all. That's really important. Um, having that perspective of, of listening, building trust, really focusing on doing that work before you try to initiate any change is important because people who don't trust you are not interested in, in working with you at all. Absolutely. So you're sort of talking about this idea already, um, but I, I wanted to really ask you about moving to junior high means you didn't have you know that experience. And so it can be really hard to build credibility. And you talk about you know, mm-hmm. doing the research and being prepared and really listening. Um, but what, have you, what else have you done to demonstrate value to your teachers to show that you have something to bring to the table, um, even though that's not your, maybe your experience, but you have other experience. So what does that look like? Yeah. So I definitely think, um, coming in, you know, knowing that it was going to be a challenge, knowing that I, I wasn't the expert in this, that they were the experts and, um, but coming in, knowing that I had a toolbox that I wanted to share with them. Um, but again, not dumping the whole tool, all the tools out at the same time. Um, it really happened kind of authentically through our PLC meetings where, we would be either talking about a new unit or working on something. And then um, just like we would do with a team of people, maybe a team of grade level teachers that I was on, it would be, okay, well, I have an idea for this and let me share this. And, you know, the first few times I will admit it was really nerve wracking because I, I probably honestly, before I spoke said, I know this might sound elementary, but let me tell you about this. And I know this might sound like we can't do it in junior high, but let me tell you about this. And as I gained confidence with my techniques and my tools, I was more able to say, well, here's a good teaching strategy that we can use, or here's a good review strategy that we can use. And something that, um, that comes to mind is just, uh, you know, things like, like talking chips, for example, where students have a certain amount of, maybe they have two or three little pieces of paper or little chips Um, And each time you have a conversation, in order to facilitate structured conversations with your class, you want everybody to use your talking chips. And it might be at a small group or it might be, you know, them with their groups at tables or something. But you want them to use, if I gave them two chips, I want you to use your two chips, but you can only use your two chips. So it not only helps your students who talk the whole time because they can only use two, but it also helps those kiddos that don't usually speak to be able to say, oh, well, me too, or oh, I agree with what Katie said, because that's what I was thinking before when I was talking with my group. And it helps, you know, our ESL students, it helps our special ed students. And so I shared that with my team, and I was very nervous to share that. And, you know, because it does, there are things that honestly, sometimes that I'll share that I'm like, hey, I don't know if they liked that, but it was just slowly gaining confidence with knowing that, okay, what I'm sharing is, is the reason that I'm here. I'm here because I have good teaching strategies. I know that I have a toolbox. And so as I got more confident, now I will bring my ideas to a PLC meeting. For example, if I tell them, okay, next, like on Monday, we have a PLC meeting where everybody's coming with performance assessments that we want to have done. Well, I'm going to do the research also, and I'm going to pick a couple of my own that I want to bring and contribute. And so it was just really kind of between me sharing my ideas and then me also showing them I'm here to do the work too. I'm not just here to tell you to do the work. I'm here because I'm in it for kids and I'm in it for our better school as a whole. Um, And I also really think 
another thing that really helped at the beginning of the year was just getting into their classrooms because junior high teachers sometimes teach differently than elementary. They have different sized classrooms. They have, um, 45 minute blocks, 90 minute blocks where they have to fit in a lesson. And it's, it's different than that two hour math period that we sometimes get in elementary school. And so getting into their rooms and listening to them teach, I learn along with their kids. And that way, then not only am I learning the content and reviewing that and making sure that I'm on top of it, I then can come into our PLC. And when I'm in charge of it or guiding it, I say, well, last week, so-and-so did this in their classroom. And does anybody else think that we could pull that into our rooms and use with our small groups Mm -hmm. and just things like that, that have, um, have kind of shown them that again, I'm here because I want to help. I want to help our kids as a whole. I want to help our students as a whole. Um, and it's such a balance. It's such a hard balance of not coming in and saying, I know all the things because so many times. And again, that was what I felt like I had to do as an elementary reading specialist also was come in and, and just learn and come in and figure out how do their teams operate? How do they work with each other? Uh, because they've got well-established teams when you get there, they've got, you know, like I said, unless it's a brand new school, they've got things that are already in place. So it's really learning how they operate as teachers and as a team and how they work with their kids and then figuring out what you can do for them. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So are there things that you have found that bridge from elementary to junior high and really helped you focus on, on what you know, or that continuity? Um, and you talked a little bit about like um, having structures for sharing, things like that. What else have you found help, helped you really focus on? This is what I know to be true. Yeah. So, I mean, I think one of the things that, that I love when I share um, and my situation is unique because I work at the junior high that was Um, the rival junior high for where I went and it feeds into my same high school. And so I still have a bunch of friends who went here and, you know, they're, they're so encouraging and so funny. And they're still like in the whole, oh my gosh, junior high is, is different and crazy. And to be able to kind of come back to that, I say, well, y'all, they're just big kids. They, they still want to do fun things. They still want to sing songs. They still want to get on their desk when they can. And really something that has totally just almost traveled from grade level to grade level as I've seen it across now kindergarten through eighth grade is the engagement piece. Mm -hmm. It is the piece that no matter what age they are, they want to be engaged. Mm -hmm. They want to be entertained. They want to learn from somebody they know cares for them. They know has planned an intentional lesson. And, you know, it's, it's the teachers who get their attention. It's the teachers who put the extra bit in that really show them, okay, well, I didn't just do X, Y, Z. I went above and beyond for you. And that's what, you know, it's almost, it's magical everywhere when you see that light, when kids really care about a lesson because it's engaging and fun and exciting. Um, But in junior high, it's so unique again, because you're seeing them and and you never know if it's going to be that one little lesson that piqued their interest that then because it was a lesson on um, recycling, it was a passage on recycling that the teacher made fun and exciting and did a song with it. They might then want to go do something four years from now that has to do with that. And that then turns into a career, turns into a hobby. And, you know, it's, it's so, so important that we keep in mind that they are here to learn and that we are gifted these kids for certain amounts every day. And no matter how old they are, they still are the malleable little sweet kiddos that want to learn and want to be entertained and want to, um, want to be here. And, you know, I totally know that it is not that case with every child. I know there are some kids that are difficult and, you know, struggle, but that, being said also, I know that kids want to learn from people that care about them. Mm -hmm. And so my experience in, in my elementary schools of having to build relationships with my fifth graders all the way down to my second graders. And then when I was a reading specialist working with kindergartners and sixth graders all over the place is that kids truly just want to be cared for as well. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that helps also is just knowing no matter what grade you teach, no matter what age they are, they want to, they're at school because 
it's a safe place. It's somewhere where they want to continue learning. They want to, they want to, you know, be here and, and see what you've got. And so I really, and, and that's something where this year I've started to slowly encourage teachers with the, the engagement piece, just because it's been such a tough year with restrictions and with difficulties and everything. And so it's, bringing those little magic pieces back in that kids are never going to forget. Cause I guarantee you, I mean, just like I said, I have my sixth graders from last year are now my seventh graders. Some of them still remember lessons from last year and fifth grade and fourth grade. And it's those specific little lessons that, that bring something to them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I believe that. I think that's a great um, focus really as well for coaching work. And it's so much of it is about, like teacher joy, you know, in, in, in absolutely. And so whenever we're really joyful, um, with our work, we try to engage kids naturally because we're Mm -hmm. excited to do this. Um, and I feel like that's something that is continuous, um, no matter how big or little the kids are that you are working with. Um, I had a friend who, um, told me one time, he said, you know, the teachers I made the closest relationships with, and that really made the best impact on me were the ones that were just curious and excited to do stuff. And there's motivated me and the ones who were like going through the, you know, through the motions, not so much. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Absolutely. Kids can see it. So, yes. And I mean, it's, it's interesting now when we think about the teachers that we remember Mm -hmm. and why we remember them. Mm -hmm. And so as a coach, we have a really almost delicate job of trying to encourage our teachers to be the ones that we remembered. Mm -hmm. And it's so difficult because you know, especially in junior high, people sometimes have set ways where they have done something and they've done it that way for years in elementary school as well. And so it's just starting with the one or two teachers who, you know, you can kind of get on your, your train as a coach and then show, okay, let's really do this new thing. Let's do Let's try this. Let's figure out what we can do to spark something. And then everybody catches on and sees the magic and wants to try too. And, you know, I say that because it's, I've been the teacher that wants to try something new and it's hard when you've got to show, okay, well, I'm going to do it. And if nobody does it with me, that that's okay. I'll just do it with my kids and then we'll see what happens. And so Mm -hmm. just encouraging teachers to not just be by the book doing the norm. You want to be the teacher that your kids think back. And I, I'm smiling right now because I think about my sweet teachers that I remember, um, and again, our kids remember our junior high teachers, just like they remember their elementary teachers too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have, what is a teacher that you remember? Um, and why do you remember them? Oh my gosh. I remember my, I guess she was sophomore or junior year. Um, and she was world history and her name is Miss Bishkin and, uh, she still works at the high school. So now I'm in the feeder pattern where, um, my kiddos are going to be passed off to her in a couple years. And I remember her just because her class was a place that we came that was a safe space that we learned and we had fun and we were heard. Mm -hmm. And it was truly a class where, you know, again, as kids get older, they have opinions, they have ideas, they have wonderings and concerns. And she was a teacher who let people talk through those. She was a teacher who encouraged us to dig deeper into things and to find, um, you know, research and just somewhere where she also made me laugh more than I can ever remember. And she was just the funniest and just naturally funny. And, you know, I, I am friends with her now on Facebook and it just makes me laugh just because I'm like, so many of my memories are eating lunch in your classroom because you were a fantastic outlet for us to come and, and hang out and be seen and be loved. Um, and so it's really neat too, but it's, it's not just those older teachers. It's my first grade teacher, Miss Freeman, somebody who made me feel cared for somebody who, even as a six-year-old, I can tell you specifics about her class because mm-hmm. she was there because she loved us. She was there because she brought joy. She wanted to be there. She made us um, feel cared for. And she taught us about kindness. She taught us about um, loving one another. And those are so many, again, so many of the foundational pieces of growing tiny humans. And it's just, it's so neat to talk. I mean, I could sit and talk about, I was very fortunate to have a lot of teachers that, um, that I truly loved and connected with. But when I think about them, I just think about how 
I want to encourage others and how I want to be that teacher too, that just makes some sort of impact on our kids. It's a lasting impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, the teacher that I can remember, um, the, the one that just strikes me the most was Miss Tricoli. And she was my fourth grade teacher. Mm-hmm. And um, that was in, in Cedar Hill, Texas. Like I was mentioning, I grew up, that's where I grew up. Yeah. And, um, she used to, I used to write little stories. I would like make little books um, mm-hmm. in my free time. Cause that's, that's how cool. I was a really cool kid. And so I would make all my free, my little books. And I remember I, I wrote one about how to take care of a new puppy and stuff like that. And so I would give her, leave these little books on her desk yes. the day I just like leave them there. And then the next morning I would come back to my desk and they would be on, on my desk and it would have a sticky note on it. And it was like a smiley face sticky note or a star. And they'd say mm-hmm. things like too cute or something. I, mean, I don't even know if she read them because <laughs> that's all she <laughs> But that alone was enough to be like, oh, she looked at my stuff and she liked it. And, you know, just, it just made mm-hmm. me like, I should keep doing that. Yeah. That was the little bitty extra. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's all it took. <laughs> I love it. How do you, in this coaching role, how are you continuing to grow and learn as a coach? Aside from, I mean, you're communicating with your teachers, of course, um, but what else mm-hmm. does that look like? So I think um, I am a self-proclaimed PD nerd and professional development book nerd because I eat up any sort of learning. I eat up all information that I can get about how to be a better coach, about how to work with teachers and how to still work with kids in this position. And um, so I love any good book that is going to help me and guide me. I love listening to podcasts like this one that really, you know, kind of connect me with other coaches that might have similar experiences and that I can learn from. And I really just, you know, I, I think in this job, you know, if we ever stop learning, then we've got to kind of figure out a different role because this job has so much that it just, you know, it's so much in it, so much with it, so many expectations. And so if we ever get to the point where it's, I think I'm just settled or I think this is easy. It, it may not be it anymore because this role is difficult. This role is hard. And, you know, I have my, my people and my team that I love, but it's also, how do I benefit others? How do I continue to grow? And so I, you know, recently have been, I'm rereading, for example, like I'm rereading the art of coaching and, um, cause I really love that one. And we've done studies with our instructional coaches at our campus of gym nights, the impact cycle. And I found myself the other day taking that one home and digging into it because we, we often get into the coaching cycle of the, you know, how am I going to, in the, it has official, all, all kinds of official verbiage, but how am I going to start to help? How am I going to then make an impact? How am I going to kind of guide this teacher? But I wanted to then learn, okay, well, how do I do that in middle school? How do I do that with the, this kind of teacher and constantly just soaking up information. Um, I also really, you know, just love a good conversation like this. I really enjoy talking with people. I love talking with people who've been coaches in our district um, and who know me and who know that this is where I am right now, but I still have aspirations. I want to continue growing. Um, Yeah. And just always learning. And I love me a highlighter and a pen to go after the books because I, I mean, if it's a good book that I've read through, I've, it has multiple colored highlighters all over and notes to the side and sticky notes and just like we tell our kids. So yeah. yeah. Interacting with the text. Awesome. Mm -hmm. If coaches only walk away with one idea from this episode, what do you think it should be? Oh, that's a good question. So I think part of my story, especially this last year, becoming um, a secondary instructional coach has really been almost moving through different grade levels and moving through different places where kids are and getting to see students from kindergarten to now eighth grade where they're so different, but they're so similar. And just like that too, I encourage coaches, if there's something or somewhere where you want to be, or you want to try, we're all here because we love kids. And we're all here because we love teachers and we love helping teachers teach children. And so I encourage you, try it, just try it because 
I guarantee you with our instructional coaching mindset already, just like I said, you're going to find a book and you're going to find a community and it's going to be a new experience. And if it ends up that, you know, for example, if I ended up not enjoying secondary, I guarantee you, I would have learned something from it. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you, I would have learned about myself and about these kids and these teachers because it might be a new opportunity, but it's going to make us better in the long run. So just because something is new and something might be scary doesn't mean that it's not right or doesn't mean that you're not going to fall in love with it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So how can people find you online? So you can find me on Instagram with Miss Williams, y'all. And since we're coming out later this year, it might already have a name change, okay. but <laughs> I'm working on that again in the process of my to-do list. Um, or you can find me at weebly.com Miss Williams, y'all. Okay, perfect. And if you do have any, you can just send it to me between now and then, and I will put in the new one in the show notes. Awesome. All right. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here today and chatting with me about this idea. Perfect. I loved it. Thank you for having me. All right, coaches. So there you go. If you have made a move this year and you are still in the throes of new school, new teachers, new policy, new curriculum, new grade levels, uh, hang in there because things can get better. Come at it with earnest intentions. Continue to, you know, put out what you know, but also really do a lot of learning from the faculty and the the people that are on your team and and uh, things will get better and you will be at least you will learn like, like Miss Williams said, like Megan said, if nothing else, you will learn a lot about what you like, what you don't like, and the way things work in this different place. And at best, maybe you'll love it. So, so I'm, I'm so glad that Megan was able to chat with us about that experience that she's had. And I hope that it helps some of you who are having a similar experience. Next week, I talked to Diana of Biliteracy Now, and we're going to talk about coaching dual language. Dual language is something that's really important to me. I was a coach in a district that was very much a dual language district. Um, Every school had dual language classrooms and that was in English and Spanish specifically. Some were late exit, some were early exit, um, but over time they all kind of uh, adopted a similar model. Uh, But I actually coached a lot of classrooms because each school had, you know, between a third to a half or slightly over a half of their classes were dual language. I live in a, a bilingual community. So because of that, I did coach a lot of classrooms that were taught in Spanish. And that is not my native language or even a language I am fluent in. I have tried to learn and I did learn a lot through um, learning at school, (laughs) learning in those kinder and first and and all the way up to fifth grade classrooms in Spanish really brought me a lot of academic language that I wouldn't have learned any other way. Uh, But I am so interested to talk to Diana by Literacy Now because we're going to talk about bilingual models. We're going to talk about um, about what uh, the goal of bilingual programs really ideally should be, what some best practices are, and some special challenges in bilingual classrooms. So I'm looking forward to this conversation because I don't feel like there's really enough support out there for coaches of bilingual classrooms. So it's important to me to include this episode. That's going to be next week, episode 77, Coaching Dual Language. And until then, happy coaching. Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching. Happy coaching.